historically our supply chains have been built on low cost and efficiency. Now everybody's talking about resiliency. Historically as well, supply chain disruptions were somewhat isolated. You know, if you think about the tsunami in Japan, devastating impact, but isolating with regards to the suppliers who are impacting and, and the recovery. Same with the floods in Thailand. In looking at what's happened in COVID, it's been every supplier, every industry across the world has been impacted. And I think we've reached a tipping point to look at re-engineering our supply chains at scale, looking at how we can drive resiliency. Connect, influence, optimize. You're listening to The Channel Channel, a podcast for executives and others involved in the authorized sale of electronic components. Brought to you by the ECIA, the Electronic Component Industry Association. Working to promote and improve the authorized distribution channel. Welcome to the Channel Channel. This is David Loftus, CEO of ECIA and host of this session of the Channel Channel, a podcast sponsored by the Electronic Components Industry Association, covering topics that are important for participants of the electronic supply chain. I'm very pleased to be joined today by Lynn Terrell, Chief Procurement and Supply Chain Officer for Flex since late 2019. Lynn spent 25 years in distribution, beginning as an inside sales rep for Wiley and over 20 years with EBV and Avnet, where she held roles including SVP Global Supply Chain and Strategic Accounts, SVP Semiconductor Biz Development, and president of Abnet United and Velocity. Welcome, Lynn. Hi, David. It's nice to be with you today. Hey, I uh, hope you and your family are doing well through the pandemic, hopefully winding down a bit as we're all getting our shots and the infection rates going down, hopefully. Yes, I actually received my first vaccine on Wednesday, so I'm very excited. Oh, super. Very good. Hey, uh, you know, everyone's talking about new ways of working through the pandemic. Um, ask you a little bit different question here. Have you and your family found any new ways to have fun during the pandemic? It's a great question. We actually had kind of a unique experience through the pandemic because we were moving from Arizona to San Jose. And in the middle of that, we spent two months in a condo uh, in Arizona while my daughter was finishing her senior year of school. And we did not expect uh, to have such close quarters uh, of all four of us living together. And what we really started enjoying was doing puzzles because obviously when there is not uh, that much to do uh, or with places to go, we would get you know, some challenging puzzles. We'd work on them as a family and we would uh, really enjoy that as well as uh, taking long walks as a family. And it was, I had my children here for the Easter break in California. Uh, my son is at the University of Arizona and my daughter is at the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota. So they came to San Jose and we spent our time taking long walks on the beach and doing puzzles. So we've enjoyed uh, that new activity during the pandemic. Fantastic. Hey, uh, I'd like to thank you for your past contributions to ECIA. Many people know that Lynn was involved with ECIA for a number of years at Abnet and was actually tagged to be our chairperson 
of our board of directors before your transition to Flex. Um, you know ECIA well. I guess I'm curious with the years that you spent with us, what were the greatest values to you um, as a previous leader? Yeah, I think, you know, I was very impressed and very involved with the industry guidelines and the technical standards that ECI was developing. It's such a dynamic marketplace with the different requirements that are being faced across all the member partners. So really working on the standardization, best practice sharing and business optimization roles in, in meeting the different standards that were coming through, I found were very valuable at APNET as well as I think across all of the member companies. And of course, the networking opportunity, uh, meeting uh, you know, executives across the industry certainly uh, assisted me as well when I moved into this new role at Flex, having had uh, the ability to develop those relationships with partners that I otherwise would not have interacted with. Yeah, you're probably leveraging those relationships a little bit right now in the shortages, right? Yep, trying to. <laughs> hey, in addition to ECIA, now you're also engaged with Women in Electronics on their advisory council. I think you're a shining example uh, for for that advisory council. And I, I saw you recently on the uh, on their uh, leadership summit, and you hit on a couple of notes that that really resonated with me one was be prepared be confident be yourself and another about encouraging alternative viewpoints mm -hmm. uh, maybe just a few words about how those ideas have helped you through your career yeah it's interesting i've been asked to you know get involved in mentoring of different programs and i'm very honored to be on the women in electronics advisory council and during that time, I've really reflected upon my career as a woman in the electronics industry and having experienced those times of being the only woman in the room and wanting to make sure my, my voice was heard. And when I thought back to what, what I always focused on was certainly being prepared because you need, you, you're there for a reason, you're being asked to engage in these meetings for a reason you have the experience and the expertise to bring to the table. So always be prepared for you know, those activities. But then you also have to have that confidence that, that comes through. So ensuring that you're bringing that confidence into a room when you are maybe, again, the only woman in the room, but at the same time, be yourself. Because I think that authenticity is so important in leadership. And frankly, having a successful career and a successful life I've always said, you know, I'm, I'm the same person, whether you see me at my son's soccer game or if I'm in the boardroom at, you know, doing a presentation. So I, I used those words a while ago and it really resonated with some women that I spoke to and they told me that. In fact, one person said she put it on a post-it note on her computer um, so she would see it every day. And I think it, that that's just a good, nice way to, to think about when you're, when you're getting ready for a, a meeting or an opportunity or an interview or whatever it is to keep those words in mind. And then when I think about encouraging the alternate viewpoints, uh, that was certainly a lesson that I learned as a new CPO at Flex when we were managing through the global pandemic. You know, it was a very dynamic situation. We actually started daily calls um, in January that we held for months 
with my leadership team and other functional leaders across the organization. And I really wanted to hear everyone's voice so that we could make those decisions in a very dynamic situation because it was critical that we continued to move forward. You can obviously spend a lot of time admiring the size and scope of a problem, but really when it comes down to supply chain execution, it's being decisive in your decision-making. So I really wanted to ensure you, I heard everybody's voices, I understood their, their viewpoints, and it was something that I've, I think I've always encouraged throughout my career, but it really came to show how critically important that is in times of crisis to make sure that subject matter experts are getting engaged and involved. Um, and it's something I always like to encourage and I've always told my team you know, through, through many years, my favorite thing is when someone has an idea that's better than mine, um, you know, and that, I, exactly. And you bring in the different people and, and you, you hear their voices and you're like, oh my goodness, that is such a better way to go. And I know sometimes I can get really enthusiastic uh, about my idea. And then if someone comes in with a different viewpoint, then I'm even more enthusiastic about their idea. And I think that encourages people to to speak up, to be confident, to share their viewpoint, and, you know, having a discourse and, and debate about it. We we coined the phrase, discuss, debate, decide, uh, throughout the, the, the past year that we've been dealing with all of the supply chain challenges. And I think that is um, a good way to put it as well when you're when you're dealing with a crisis. That's fantastic. Great thoughts. So certainly, we've got ongoing crises that you're having to deal with on a daily basis. Can't imagine your life right now. You certainly picked a heck of a time to change careers, Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, joining Flex, it was October of 2019, uh, you know, four months into a new role. And, you know, a global supply chain crisis. Uh, emerged. And that was uh, certainly, uh, I did not expect it, nor did I expect that a year later, we'd be continuing to deal with so many uh, different challenges that have come along the way. But I think it's been a nice transition into the Flex organization. Obviously, years in distribution prepared me in, in a lot of ways, a lot of learning at the same time when I joined the Flex organization. But I do think that overall, the relationships that have been developed across the industry with our suppliers, with our customers has benefited a great deal. And then my leadership premises that I've always lived by are collaboration in positive and transparent communication. And again, those have been critically important in the environment that we're in today to ensure that we're being very clear in, in having open dialogue with our customers and keeping our customers' requirements at the forefront and having those same kind of open and transparent dialogues with our suppliers as we struggle through the shortages that we are currently experiencing. Yeah, and I think our listeners probably know you took on a huge role here. Uh, Flex, uh, the numbers are amazing, $24 billion in revenue over 160,000 employees across 30 countries, um, you know, 10,000 supply chain professionals. <laughs> that's just, that, that's amazing. I, question, do you prefer the experience uh, and challenge of large multinational companies? You've, you've, the last couple have been very big companies. I do. I think, um, you know, it, it's obviously incredibly complex. 
uh, Avnet was complex. Uh, Flex is also very complex. Having the manufacturing portion is, is very unique, uh, different from my experience at Avnet. But I think that, again, working with the customers and the suppliers um, and bringing that collaborative spirit. And at Flex, as in my role today, I'm responsible for the direct and indirect procurement, freight and logistics, inventory management, our supply chain solutions development, as well as our strategic supply chain engagements with the customers. And because of that, we, we you know, work across the customers, across the flex segments and our operations team. So to do that successfully requires a lot of collaboration and understanding you know, the needs of the segments, the customers, the operation side and understanding that my role is to serve all of those disparate groups within Flex with the ultimate goal of servicing our customers. And I feel one of my strengths is driving that collaboration and not just looking in my specific areas of responsibility, but how we as a supply chain organization within Flex drive the company forward and support our strategic initiatives. So I found it very fascinating. I, I think I had a very quick learning curve, which is typical when you're in a crisis. And I just recently, you know, as of March, end of March, have been here 18 months. And it seems like it's gone really fast. And it seems like I've been here for a long time at the same time. No kidding. And, and, and I guess, would you say that they're dog years here through the pandemic <laughs> here? <laughs> Certainly, you know, it's interesting when you talk about like the, the work from home, it's, uh, I can't even fathom how I could get everything done today that if I go back to when I was sitting in airports and, and traveling to different locations, you know, that you get a lot done uh, when true. you're just working from home. And in fact, in some cases, I think we've increased our collaboration because of the Zoom meetings. I know you can get some Zoom fatigue, but we've done things like really focused on increasing our communication across the global organization. You mentioned 10,000 people uh, within our supply chain team, which is phenomenal and very effective. But when I first joined Flex, I was going to our, our major locations and I would be having um, you know, town halls meeting with, with people. Well, when we moved to remote working, we changed it. We said, well, let's have global town halls via Zoom. And we do those on a regular basis and you're able to connect with 10,000 people, mm -hmm. you know, over the course of two meetings when you're, when you're able to schedule it like that. So I think we've been very focused on messaging to our employees, um, both on, you know, performance, how we're doing at Flex, what our future strategies are, but also trying to focus on motivation and encouragement and, and thanking the, the teams for all of their hard work because it has been um, an incredibly challenging year and I know we're all kind of tired. <laughs> so you wanna get out and, and give that encouragement and really thank everybody for their efforts. Yeah, and I'd say that um, this experience, just remote working has all been an education to all of us, but I'm sure you're like, uh, like most of us and wanting that human touch as well and being able to get out and travel in person again as soon as we can. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to uh, getting back to whatever the new normal is and 
traveling to the flex facilities and meeting with the teams in person and meeting with our customers and suppliers. It's crazy when I think about how much I traveled uh, prior to the pandemic and going from just extensive travel to stopped completely. And I certainly enjoy the time, you know, more time with my, my family, but you absolutely miss that human react interaction. And I also think it's something that has been you know, very valuable as we deal with these challenges, the relationships that have been built in the past, because, you know, you, you have a meeting, you have a difficult negotiation, you then have a nice dinner, and you continue to partner going forward. And, you know, that's something I, I really enjoyed. And now, during these challenging times, you, you contact someone that you've met, and you've engaged with numerous times to talk about how we will, you know, collectively solve these challenges and having that relationship from the past, I think has been invaluable. Yeah, I agree. Hey, you mentioned um, enjoying on the supplier side and the customer side, I guess if you had to draw the parallels to distribution, similar situation, you were working with suppliers and customers all the time, I guess, what would you say the biggest differences are from the distribution world to uh, a manufacturing organization like Flex? I'd say there's more similarities than differences, to be honest, because, you know, when in distribution similar to Flex, you're always focused on the customer, but you need to partner strongly with the suppliers to ensure you're able to execute. Uh, it's, it's different. I'm, I'm the customer now uh, for the distributors and the suppliers, which is uh, different and I enjoy it, but at the same time, recognizing that it's that partnership that enables ongoing success. And one of the nice things at when I joined Flex is a lot of the customers I was supporting at Avnet are end customers of Flex. So there's a lot of similarities in knowledge. And I was also supporting um, the competitors of Flex when I was at Avnet. So uh, having that understanding across the the EMS industry of operations, I think was was very beneficial. Hey, uh, one of our team members wanted to ask if you were to go back in time, when you worked on the distribution side, what advice would you give yourself from the other side of the table for the role you're in now? It's a great question. And I, um, when I think about that, it's just, I guess, understanding the, the deeper complexities on the manufacturing side, especially with an organization like Flex, because you know, we all want to deal with on-time delivery performance and quality and, and price competitiveness, um, but the complexities of not receiving parts uh, downstream within an organization like Flex when you're impacting both our manufacturing lines, but then in many cases, our customers. It, I always had a sense of urgency, certainly, um, as a, a supplier to the EMS partners of, of what that would entail. But uh, even the sense of urgency I had as a, working in distribution, I would increase that you know, twofold understanding the, the impact it has on an organization like Flex with all the complexities we have in our global supply chain. So, so that, it's uh, really interesting. I guess if you had to dig a little bit into current shortages, how well is Flex managing through the challenges? 
You know, I think I'm, I'm very fortunate at Flex. We have some of the best tools and processes available in the industry. In fact, I remember visiting the Pulse Center as a supplier to Flex and having data envy um, because of the real-time digitalization tools. And Flex has invested in our, our Pulse Center and our digitalization efforts since 2015. And we've continued to iterate and invest and continue to develop that. And I think that has made a, a significant difference because we were able to very quickly develop specific dashboards re in response to dealing with the, the COVID uh, supplier shortages or right now the worldwide semiconductor supplier shortages. And we've got great tools you know, with our escalation tools and the team. And I have the ability just click, click, click it within the system. And I can see at a part number level at a site for a customer, the exact latest input on a shortage because we, we keep all of that information centralized. So I think we've uh, done really well in, in managing. I also attribute that to the uh, teamwork that we put in place throughout the, the, the situation of bringing the whole team together to understand what we can do and how we can uh, support our customers and suppliers during this time. And even if I think right now of dealing with uh, the shortages. There are obviously, you know, worldwide semiconductor shortages. We're also having challenges in, in other commodities that we're having. We made us, uh, in talking with our suppliers to understand how we can better interact with them. We've changed our processes to allow, you know, consolidation and prioritization and making sure we're giving meaningful content to our suppliers so that they understand the situation as opposed to maybe what we would do historically, you know, when we were faced with a specific shortage, you'd want a three-way call and talk through the details and, and now understanding that it's, it's more widespread. We have to be smarter about how we are collecting and presenting the information to the suppliers. And we've worked really closely um, with them to understand how we can best support them so that they can support us and ultimately our end customer. So I feel, uh, pretty lucky that uh, that I have these tools and support uh, services and and an amazing team to help us manage through the situation. That's fantastic. So, Flex uh, certainly does a lot of business direct. You having the distribution background, did do you do anything in these shortage situations to somewhat rebalance a little bit how much business Flex does direct versus the channel? And Absolutely. We've been, um, I think even before that, looking at ways in which we can optimize opportunities for the distribution channel, because obviously having spent 25 years there, I have a strong understanding of the value proposition and, um, you know, how we can work with them. We've worked really well in, you know, doing inventory rebalancing as needed within Flex, but as well as tapping into the distribution market to help with the shortages. But even more than that, wanting to develop longer term solutions so that we are able to manage better in a crisis by ensuring we have uh, the, the solutions available. And obviously, you know, worked well with Avnet and Arrow and Future and, you know, all World Peace and TTI. I mean, there's, there's great services available from these organizations. And we're actively looking at where we think uh, a solution can be, take advantage of the benefits of distribution. By the way, you mentioned earlier about the size and scope of the Flex supply chain. 
you know, we have a thousand customers uh, whose supply chains we manage. We also have 16,000 direct suppliers and that translate into a million SKUs that we're managing for our supply chain. And when I first heard those figures, I said, okay, we need to really look at our, our suppliers and understand where there's opportunity to reduce the number of suppliers we're working with and then grow our business with our preferred suppliers who support that. So ongoing kind of evergreen effort, looking at the tail. And that's where I see um, you know, huge opportunities for our uh, distribution partners. And again, you know, uh, like the DigiKeys of the world. Uh, you don't want, I don't want to accidentally not mention one of my favorite partners, but uh, you know, we talk with them all the time about where we can look to leverage and grow our business. Great, great. Hey, um, I'm sure that you and Flex have learned a tremendous number of lessons as I think everybody is right now at, during the Women in Electronics uh, Leadership Forum. Your old boss, Phil Gallagher, was talking about, hope we don't forget. And he talked about amnesia that mm -hmm. the industry has. And I, I, I sort of share that feeling. I think every four or five years, we go through these cycles and everyone learns a lot of lessons. A couple of years from now, we'll be in a steady state situation and people go, go back to their old habits. Mm -hmm. Just how do you avoid that? And how do you make sure that the next time you're better prepared that we don't forget these important lessons? You know, I think historically our supply chains have been built on low cost and efficiency. And now everybody's talking about resiliency. Historically as well, supply chain disruptions were somewhat isolated. You know, if you think about the tsunami in Japan, devastating impact, but isolating with regards to the suppliers who were impacted and, and the recovery. Same with the floods in Thailand. Um, in looking at what's happened in, at COVID, it's been every supplier, every industry across the world has been impacted. And I think we've reached a tipping point to look at re-engineering our supply chains at scale, looking at how we can drive resiliency. And there's opportunities, you know, a resilient supply chain is achievable. It's just costly, you know, or I shouldn't say costly. There is additional cost. It's not being built on low cost and efficiency. It's looking at how you can de-risk your supply chain from you know, making sure you're designing in alternative sources, making sure different sources are, are located in different geographies so you don't have you know, weather impacts that happen. Um, looking at manufacturing strategies. Some, you know, some companies may do all of their own manufacturing and that's historically how they've, they've worked. Do they want to now look at potentially outsourcing a portion of that manufacturing to ensure that they're in different geographies, that they're mitigating their risk and they have the ability to scale. So I think that you know, a resilient supply chain is like an insurance policy. You hope you never have to use it, but if you do, it's there. So I think in, in general, because there have been so many supply chain disruptions one after another after another, when you think about you know, fires and facilities, the Suez Canal disruption, uh, the tariffs that took place, the COVID impacts, the you know dynamic increase of, of requirements that led to the shortages we're at today. Um, 
I think companies are going to look at how we can de-risk our supply chain to be more agile and resilient. And there's opportunities to do that, looking at multiple partners when you're, when you're doing your initial design, looking at multiple partners when you're looking at manufacturing. So I do think because this has been so dramatic and impactful that long-term, it won't be short-term because I think everybody's still kind of working through the crisis, but I, I think in the next you know, five to 10 years, we will absolutely see uh, a different drive to, to develop more resilient supply chains and taking into consideration some of the lessons learned through this pandemic. I, I hope so. And I know that a lot of our listeners uh, hope so as well. Uh, we'd mm -hmm. certainly not want to see the pendulum swing back the other way again. Mm -hmm. Hey, well, um, the other thing I'd say, sorry to interrupt, but um, no when I, when I look, there's so much talent across the industry and there's so much supply chain innovation taking place. When you look at all of the players that uh, are in between the suppliers, the distribution partners, the EMS, our customers um, trying to drive towards more resilient, more sustainable type of supply chains, uh, coming together and, and really sharing those best practices and ideas and, and development as an industry I think is going to make the difference as well. You, you know, you talked about the digitalization journey that flexes on. Maybe one more technical question for you here. So everyone's talking about artificial intelligence and machine learning and how that can be used in trying to uh, help you manage the supply chain and supply disruption and so forth. Uh, do your tools, do the digital tools at Flex include a lot of machine learning and could they have helped with such an unprecedented event like COVID and the succeeding events that we've had? You know, I think absolutely. You know, we have a, a strong team within my organization driving data analytics and, and machine learning. And we have so much data. Um, you know, when you think about an organization like Flex and the industries we support, you know, really understanding how we can use that data to better position ourselves with our suppliers, with our customers, whether it be understanding trends in pricing to enhance our negotiations. Um, so huge investment in that. It's absolutely helped us. But at the same time, if I think back to the, the pandemic, it really, because we were constrained with visibility, um, both from the customers and the suppliers. It wasn't so much at that time like a lack of supply, it was a lack of visibility as to, you know, when the org when companies would be able to get back into operations and what their output would be following, you know, putting in social distancing guidelines and, and everything. So it was this lack of visibility. And I think through that time, I really felt that the differentiator for Flex was the supply chain professionals making intelligent decisions with imperfect information mm. that made the difference. And I'll, I'll give you an example. We were having one of our daily calls and we heard that uh, one of the gentlemen said, yeah, well, he was driving to work and he goes kind of where, where the border goes and the line was so long, like typically you wouldn't see it back that long. And so we were, and this was in Europe, our European colleagues were telling us this. And so we thought, well, boy, are, there, are we going to have delays in border closures? Are, are borders going to potentially close? And we had all of our PPE for our employees in Europe at a hub in Hungary that we would 
move in kind of a just-in-time type of model to the sites. So we made the decision based on that conversation to move all the PPE out of the hub to the sites to enable, you know, protect our employees and enable uh, manufacturing to continue in, in advance of the border uh, delays and, and closures. Oh, so, wow. so that to me was, there's, there wasn't anybody who was, there wasn't a system that was going to be able to anticipate that, but it was having the discussions and people making those strategic decisions. That's super. That's super. Hey, great insights, Lynn. Uh, before we wrap up, I just wanted to mention that uh, March being the uh, Women's History Month, uh, mm -hmm. Lynn had penned a beautiful letter to her 18-year-old daughter, Megan, and encourage uh, anyone, any of our listeners to go on and look at that. A lot of really good lessons, not just for young ladies, but also for anyone that's coming up in the world, then you've got some really visionary uh, thoughts on how people should really focus uh, their their attention on being authentic and uh, being confident, just really super. Thank you. I will say, uh, you know, I've did, done different blogs and, and different, you know, articles and what have you, but that was, to me, that was the most personal and um, important. Uh, one that I ever, ever posted. And I think it's resonated with some people. And I found it interesting when I was writing it that, you know, I was giving my daughter the same kind of messages at eight years old than I was at 18. So I think they kind of, they resonate, but I, I appreciate the feedback uh, on that letter, Dave. Appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Hey, uh, we're back on the UCIA front. We're very happy that Lynn's going to be joining us in Chicago uh, in October for the exec conference. Any sneak previews, Lynn? for our audience on what you'll discuss? Well, it's interesting because I would have initially said maybe we would have talked about lessons learned and managing through a global pandemic. But as we've moved through the year, there have been so many challenges uh, that we faced. And to be honest, between now and October, there could be uh, a lot of other challenges that we face and hopefully we'll have a lot of lessons learned. So. Uh, my expectation is that we'll, right before the event, we'll kind of reflect back on what the most recent and relevant content is and, and address that. Super. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to that. Thanks so much for your time today, Lynn. Hope you and your family stay safe and weather the balance of the, uh, of the pandemic here. Thank you, David. Appreciate being here very much, and I'll look forward to attending the conference in October. Fantastic. I encourage all of our listeners to join Lynn and uh, our other special guests in Chicago in October. So that's a wrap for today. Hope you all join us for our next Channel Channel interview. Thanks so much for your time to join today's podcast. And we hope all of you and your families are staying safe.